There we go. Hey. hey. That's, we, that's great. We are live with the one, the only go. Peter Lynn near. <laughs> <laughs> I am so happy that you made it. I really appreciate you taking your time out. Um, I just wanted to kick the podcast off, Peter, if you don't mind, if maybe giving a, a brief introduction about yourself, uh, your history in IT and uh, technology, and um, uh, just, a, just a quick overview, if you don't mind. Okay, sure, definitely. So uh, thank you for the opportunity, and I enjoy this very much. My name Absolutely. is Peter Lynn. I am an IT manager. Uh, I've been in the industry for about 20 years now. Um, I started in New York City, worked for a company called the New York City School Construction Authority. Um, the department had about 100 IT people. The whole organization was a little bit over 1,000. And their task was to build new schools, do capital improvements on all the public schools in New York City. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was part of uh, the help desk team initially. I worked my way up. I became... Uh, uh, level two tech, became an IT manager, level one, and then level two. So, um, you know, I grew with the industry early in the late 90s and uh, learned a lot, you know, learned a lot from a lot of great guys and, you know, talented people that's out there in IT. Then moved to Arizona and started working for a consulting company, went to work for Intel, Honeywell, um, CenturyLink, doing all different projects. The the critical project I wanted to mention was the school facilities board, where we went out and we did surveys of the network infrastructure for all the schools in Arizona, and we upgraded them from 100 megs to one gig. Wow! And so that was a big yeah, that was a big change um, for the schools, and it was also a big change in the dynamics of in terms of technology for the schools in Arizona. That's a monster project. Yeah, that was a big project. Um, Unfortunately, like everything uh, in IT, you know, um, money and funding um, wasn't always readily available or it gets used up quickly or it gets reallocated to other departments because IT has always been known as sort of the, the service department. They rarely generate income. So, um, you know, people tend to pull lots of money out of IT to, you know, supplant <laughs> something else, you know? What right. I mean? Yeah. So it, it's just, uh, it was, you know, at the end of the project, it became very poor, but, um, but it was a lot of fun and I got to uh, meet some people and that's actually how I went to my position. I met uh, Pinal County School Superintendent Orlinda Roberts um, mm-hmm. and Dr. Jack Harmon. And it was Dr. Jack Harmon that, uh, hired me to work uh, for their accommodation district in Pinal County. And I've been in this position for about 15 years now. And uh, we've literally had no infrastructure at the accommodation district to where right now, you know, we're running POE, voice over IP, camera systems, um, audio system, like paging systems, you know, uh, public announcement systems, all that over the network. Uh, so it's it's been a great journey. So you've taken it from the dark ages to 2018. <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 funny because uh, the evolution of that um, really required good leadership. 
uh, yep. you know, the administrators that, you know, backed you and supported you. You know, we went from like, you know, we talked about in the past, like writing memos by hand. Mm-hmm. To, you know, actually, you know, actually, and carbon emails. copy. Remember the carbon copy? That, that, that's right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and then and then everybody getting high on the toner smell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, it was so funny, and and so with the superintendent backing me up and saying, "Yes, we're gonna," you know, that's how we're gonna do business. We're gonna be using emails to check, you know, everything. That that was great. That changed our culture, you know, as an organization, and and ever since then, we sort of continued to evolve and continue to change the culture and then now you know being this 21st century uh the key words are like 21st century classroom what does 21st century classroom look like you know how how do we do education and it, it's it's very exciting i think it's a very exciting time for those who are in the k-12 arena um yep. you know because you know i i know it guys who work in the k-12 aren't in it for the big bucks you know um they're in it for the kids right yeah, they're totally in it for the kids because, um, you know, I'm telling you, that's probably one of the least funded departments in K-12. You know, uh, it's always about curriculum, instruction, administration, you know, teacher support. But but technology, so many IT guys in K-12 and it's like one or two people supporting like 300 to 400 plus devices, which oh is, God. you know. Horrible ratio. A, Horrible ratio. Yeah. What isn't it like fifty to one in for the private sector? I, I, you know, most of the time it is. Um, it's quite funny because the other day I was doing research and um, the federal government, or I don't even know if it's Department of Education or part of the department, some department in the federal government actually said for K twelve it should be three hundred to one, three hundred devices to one what? IT person. <laughs> I know. And then I wonder if um, I wonder if the assumption is that, you know, kids aren't as productive on those things, which which I think then we need to really shift our paradigm of thinking. Right. You know, because right. then then then, you know, are you assuming that kids aren't doing the work that they need to do on the computers? You know, that you would think that, you know, in K-12, that's 300 to one. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating how they get some of these uh, uh, where they the, the numbers. I, I'm wondering where the research is and, and is the person making this decision. Are they are they in IT or are they doing it from a budgetary right. stance? Or how do they do right. they do they disclose how they arrived at that number? No, they didn't. And that's the funny part. It's just like um, just like um, FCC announced, you know, like this is the recommended bandwidth per student and stuff. And they did a little bit of study. There's definitely, you know, data behind it and stuff like that. But um, especially like in rural America, and that's where we are, we're, we're a rural county, um, you know, talking to a lot of IT directors in, in the school districts, um, they feel like, um, you know, because bandwidth is so expensive, they feel like they don't want to sort of overpay for things that they may or may not use. But um, I find it to be quite unfair that kids have to sit there and look at that little circle, <laughs> that waiting <laughs> circle, yeah. you know, just because, just because, you know, bandwidth was, is unaffordable or uh, inaffordable. Or, exactly. You know, That's like the death, circle, the death star circle, man. It's the worst. 
There you go. That's exactly. I love that commercial. It goes, hey, I want a picture of this, uh, you know, for the cake. And then <laughs> they did that little circle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the worst thing you can see in the world ever of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, wow. So, um, do you have you found since uh, when you compare the you know, private sector to the public sector and um, where the funding's not there? Um, is, is, is funding and budgetary challenges, are those the biggest challenges or are those other hurdles that, um, you know, need to be taken into consideration? Uh, there are. I mean, obviously, with the private sector, they're always generating income. So there's a way to tie IT into that. Uh, when I worked at Intel, um, you know, certain departments had received certain funding for certain projects. For example, Intel was doing a collaborative thing with Microsoft, trying to make sure that, um, you know, the processors that the design uh, would work with the Microsoft product as optimal. And they were giving like $3 million to create a lab and, and do all these tests. And, you know, and that's no big deal. You know, for right. them, that's, that's just R&D, you know, that's things that we have to build. So uh, at the time when I was working, I was working for mergers and acquisition and, um, you know, different departments would come with us, come to us, sorry, mm-hmm. and, um, and engage with us to try to build the lab. And, and you know, they have funding right, right off yeah. the bat. With the public sector, K-12, it's funny because, you know, Intel knew they were going to generate income from that knowledge. Um, K-12, because you're set in the state budget, you're always uh, governed by the Senate and, and you know, how much money you're going to get a year. And this is tuition for the students. Um, there's Their focus on the budget's different because it's not like, you know, IT can make money for them. But I right. feel like, if you if you do the math a little differently, I think you could see that IT can make things productive, a lot more productive, and make I would say teachers' lives a lot easier. Um, and so, you know, it's it's for sure it's definitely different. I mean, they're definitely more conservative when it comes to spending certain things with technology because it's so expensive too. Every time we make an investment in a technology we try to lease the technology instead of buying it straight out because it's such a big hit on the budget. Right. So you, are you more focused uh, than OPEX and CAPEX? Is that, but since you guys have the, you know, the fiscal year, how do you guys structure that with, you know, OPEX to CAPEX when you guys, it's not normally June yeah. and July, it seems like is the big months, right? It is because usually, usually, you know, that's the fiscal year, at least for Arizona, that's their fiscal yeah. year. And Begins July first ends June thirtieth. Um, usually, the good thing is we started creating a technology committee to discuss the type of technology we want to integrate with our curriculum instruction, and that's really my focus this year. Is um, we've been looking at a product called Modern Teacher, mm-hmm. which has it's called Digital Convergence, and it's like a digital ecosystem. And it's quite funny because. Um, IT doesn't get involved in any aspect of that till after administration curriculum, you know, like leadership curriculum instruction gets aligned to how they want to do business. Right. You know, it's, it's really funny because, you know, we talked about um, how sometimes, you know, fun because, you know, they want to push technology and then we buy certain technologies, but, we, we buy technology that doesn't quite fit the classrooms and teacher gets frustrated because they're for, it's sort of forced upon them, you know? 
A uh, great example is this. So um, if you were a teacher and you said, man, uh, you know, on Dr. Seuss Day, instead of just reading Dr. Seuss book, I want to go ahead and do some science with the kids. And I want to say, hey, you know, how long does it take to boil an egg? And how long does it take to poach an egg? And what's the, you know, the, um, the density of each of those eggs and stuff like that. And, and then, you know, you start brainstorming great ideas. And then afterwards, that's when you go, oh, IT, you know, I need maybe a video conferencing system so I could talk to other schools right. to see, you know, how that looks like. And then, or, you know, I need, um, you know, tablets so I could do some research on, you know, the time to boil an egg, you know, how dense it is and yada, yada, yada. And so, um, you know, IT comes into play there much better as opposed to like, let's say I run into the room, I go, hey, here you go. Here's a big video conferencing system. You can talk to people in China and, right. and other classrooms in China. And, and they look at you like, what? Why would well, I want to do that? <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I was just talking to Mark Lenio from ViewSonic. Uh, shout out to Mark. Mm-hmm. He, he uh, works really uh, heavily with the Pomona uh, School District out here in California. And mm-hmm. the big, the biggest thing for them, it's like anybody, you can, anybody can get an interactive board, you know, or smart board. Um, but if the teacher's mm-hmm. not going to use it to create the discussion and collaborate and get the students involved, is if it's not going to enhance, it's just going to be a big TV, and it's it's an unnecessary expense. So, um, right. if, if the technology doesn't come with training and professional development, how? Uh, how how the teacher's going to learn because you're only one guy it's only you know how it's so so big it can't so there yeah i found there has to be support um when introducing new technology right and 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 has to be like after the fact that teachers get their idea of what they want to do and then they go old because it's like this (laughs) like yeah it's like you know like um i'm a i'm a mason and i come up to you and i go hey um here's a pick and, you know, or here's a hoe. Mm-hmm. And you're like, um, what am I going to do with that? I, I'm a mason. I lay bricks, you know. I, I need, like, a pan and, a, and a, you know, something to lay down the, you know, the mortar and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. And and so we, I guess what I'm saying is that sometimes we, we, end to, we end up giving the teachers the wrong type of tools to do the work that, you know, they want to do, you know. Exactly. <clears throat> well, and, you know, the speeds and feeds, a lot of times it's, it's easy for, for, for us to get excited about, hey, it does this, it does this, it does that. But it, it, it's got to be catered to that teacher and their, their teaching style and the student's learning style and what they want to accomplish and how they want to achieve right. you know, the end result. So it could be the greatest thing and the coolest thing, but if it's not embraced, it's, it's uh, now we're back to the same same issue, right? Right, right. So, and and and. I love the, I love the fact that I'm in the K twelve industry because it's actually quite challenging. Um, because not only are you a, a technical person um, on the IT side, you have to get engaged with the education side. You know, you have to learn curriculum and instruction in order to be an effective technologist. Mm-hmm. Is 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 what I'm saying. It's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I think in the private sector, I, I never had to do that. All I had to worry about was making sure the equipment allowed the departments to be productive and do what they needed to do. And and in the K-12 arena, um, I had to learn the concepts of curriculum and instruction 
for example, like the rigor relevance model mm-hmm. in order to be a more effective, you know, tech technologist, because I needed to um, present things that made sense to them right. that can fit, you know, their instructional models. I, I find that to be quite challenging. So for those out there that's in the K-12, I, I applaud you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. They, now, when it comes to training, just you guys, IT training, K-12 doesn't necessarily, from my experience, it's it's few and far between the school district I know that can afford to get you guys certified and trained on the type of gear. It's like you, there's a lot of YouTube and Google going on um, <laughs> in, in the K-12 space. Is that Does that sound about accurate? Am I... Oh, yes. It's uh, professional development's always been hard for K-12. Um, obviously, there are engineers out there that um, pride themselves in, you know, uh, getting ahead and, and moving forward in their careers. And they go out there and they get their own CCNA training or MCSE training, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and you know, I applaud them for, for that. And they have to pay out of their own pocket, right? They do. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, well, no, I, I'll say maybe, you know, some organizations are very supportive and, and they'll, you know, they'll try to pay. I remember I worked with you one time on trying to do like a CDT based system. Remember? Yep. For the whole county. Yep. And, and, you know, it wasn't that expensive. I think for the whole county, it would have been like something like maybe 12, 14 grand. Yep. And, uh, but we had like 19 districts. So I'd said it would have been less than a thousand per district if we right. had, and all pulled in into that resource yep and bought the cpt mm-hmm. and and like how awesome is that because you know first of all you're, you're training your young staff to be better engineers and better te- better technicians and then you know and so you you see professional development increasing their skill set right it does and then obviously they're they're more productive and then and you know you, you can't be afraid to lose them because of that <laughs> right you no know? They're going to well, be better not, engineers them, out Not for the money, you know. I've, a lot of the most IT directors in the K twelve space, like you said before, they're in it for the kids. Like they want to make a difference. Yeah. They they can see that yeah. their talents and their abilities are going and do directly affect um, our kids' education. Yes, and leave a legacy, which I think is more important than the cash. <laughs> right, right. I I know there's others in the private sector that would not agree. But the my my mom. Uh, you know, my, my mom just retired after uh, over 40 years in education. She definitely didn't yes. do it for the money. It was, uh, it was her calling. Yes, I agree. I think every, everybody that's in the Cape Town arena, uh, which is a shame because that's a cultural issue. Uh, I mean, you know, you could look at other countries and that's not the truth. Right. Uh, teachers are held at high the highest like, regard. Uh, yes, like doctors and lawyers, like, yes. you know, the way we do it. And and they get paid accordingly. Right. I mean, they are shaping young minds. They they are they are raising the future right before our eyes, and uh, that, you it, know the, the pay should reflect that. Exactly, Mike. You made a great point because you know, like everybody says, you you get what you pay for, right? Yep. And and so why wouldn't you want the best and the brightest teaching the next generation to be more innovative and skilled? You know, why would you want you know, somebody who's mediocre to be teaching your kids, you know, and, and I'm not or saying, someone that's not interested. They're just like, they got a college degree. They had to get a job. They're like, I guess I'll be a teacher since no one's hiring. <laughs> so, and, and, and yeah, and I don't want to be like, uh, you know, I, I'm not being critical. So when I say mediocre, I'm yeah. not saying that 
the person's meter. I'm just saying that they're not vested in their job. You know what I mean? Right. They don't love and, it. And, it's not their passion. Yeah, they don't love it. Right. And, and you know, maybe they had the passion in the beginning and they realized, good grief, you know, for all this work and all this investment, you know, I sure don't get compensated, you know, accordingly. Right. <laughs> and, and that's got to be frustrating. That's got to be frustrating. You know, especially in other states. Other states do take care of their teachers. So it's not across the board, but you see it. It's It's pretty... At least in the state of Arizona, they, they don't pay the, the teachers um, what no. they should. No, I think last time I looked at in the news, the national numbers for, I think, Vermont was like 11,000. And then oh. Arizona's more like four or 5,000. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, it's like almost half, exactly. Goodness. So. Yeah, switching gears, Peter, do you guys ever do uh-huh. uh, de- uh, device as a service? Uh, any end-to-end device management solutions? You guys, have you ever implemented that? There's a couple of systems that I, it was very close, but not a full, you know, device as a service type thing. And, you know, that model is actually quite interesting. It's getting very popular. And I was at a Microsoft event Mm -hmm. and Microsoft had uh, actually addressed that to us. Right. And and remember, because they're like, hey, you can lease a Surface tablet like $30 a month. Yep. And you just keep paying that price. And then you maximize your budget. Right. If he breaks it, you pass, uh, you know, we'll replace it. And then the new version comes out. We just replace it. You know, there's no there's no repurchasing things. You know what I mean? Right. It's just like a subscription based stuff. Yeah. And and I, I, I told the person there, the leadership team, I said, you know, it's a good idea. I like it. And but the problem isn't is not the funding and stuff. It's the procurement process like that limits that ability. Yeah. You know, the procurement's not there yet. Uh, the 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 way we procure things using public funds isn't quite there yet. Now I'm not an expert in procurement, so I won't you know talk too much about it because there's other people who are more uh, knowledgeable about that subject. But um, I know that's one of the reasons that that uh, prevented us from doing something like that. Right. Well, and and every every district's different, every organization's different. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was curious as to your take. Um, as far as emerging technologies and things that um, that you've seen or that you've heard about or that you have implemented, are there any new emerging technologies that have kind of changed the game or you see them as like this is going to be a force to be reckoned with or something that we're either doing or we need to start doing um, down the pipe? So, so, so one thing that I even I, I remember asking you to help me uh, do a little bit of research on is looking for an AI help desk. Yep. So I know um, that definitely will be a force to be reckoned with. Um, not only is it going to help the IT staff in the K-12 arena, uh, obviously it'll help the private sector, you know, and so forth. But I mean, I mean, it, it's just, I think it's just going to improve everyone's knowledge and uh, troubleshooting skills and um, alleviate maybe the, the fear, like the generational fear where, you know, the older generation's afraid to break the computer yeah. <laughs> and, and they won't do the things that they really need to do. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, maybe the AI will help them in that arena. Uh, I, I, I'm super excited. I mean, technology, you know, technology is one of those things that always grows and keeps going. Um, it, those are the pros and cons. Uh, it advances so fast. It's so impressive. But at the same time, advances so fast, and and um, you know, 
just based on generations, you know, I know the older generation really struggles with it. We're, we're lucky our generation sort of in between the Gen X is right between technology and, and so forth. And now, now the millennials, like they won't do anything without it. <laughs> no, no, they won't. And, yeah. well, and even with like new technology, it seems like, um, especially in K-12 and the public sector, there's a lot of end of life stuff that it hasn't been budgeted for. But it still needs to be supported. It needs to be warranted. Um, what, yeah. what if anything, uh, is the game plan for for that? And I think what it is is, um, I think it, it 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 talks about the generational stuff again. You know, fear, how we did business. Um, for sure, I, I've met lots of um, people who are hesitant of the cloud and and um, are afraid of it, and 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 what the type of impacts, but honestly, I love it. Uh, we've migrated to Office 65. This is our second year on Office 365. Um, our exchange system is hasn't failed since then. Uh, before, you know, we had to create um, a DAB. It's a lot more work. And, oh, it's a lot of work. I mean, you know, I had to hire a consultant to help do the technical side because it's so... Uh, complex and, and everything else to make it work correctly and stuff like that you know so um it, it was just um you know what i'm saying it, yeah. it was just it's good it's good to move to the cloud and but like i said i still know a few people who um who are a little hesitant like to keep things on prem and um you know i i don't know if it's a control issue uh well security comes to play right i mean uh, especially when you've been indoctrinated under certain companies that they were, you know, if you've been certified under particular companies that you guys know who I'm talking about, and that was what you learned in college. I mean, it's hard. Old habits die hard. And there's good reason why, like very good reasons why they would be hesitant to move to the cloud, in my opinion, because of the security piece. It's like, I know this isn't going to get me fired uh, because it's secure. Whereas the cloud might be an unknown uh, to them. And, and that's where that fear factor comes in. And, and that's where I, I've said in the past, I mean, how can you compete security-wise, especially if you're a small shop? Right. How can you compete against Microsoft or Google? Right. I mean, you know, do you not know that they have lots of engineers on site that does the security <laughs> because, you know, they're a bigger target? I mean, obviously, they got the bigger bullseye painted on their back <laughs> they than do. I do, you know? Yeah, like who wants to hack Pinal County schools? You know, I'd rather hack Google and then I get a bigger name from hacking Google or or Microsoft and stuff like right. that. And that's why that's why you know that's always been my argument when we debate this issue with the uh, with people who are a little hesitant to leave the on prem model. Right. And I go, you know, they have more resources and they have more engineers and you know as long as they are compliant to the HIPAA policy you know and FERPA I mean you know there's nothing to worry about right right that's well I mean that's that's my opinion I just I know that I know that there are uh, quite a few quite a few professionals out there that um they look man they love their box and they and they, they hold on to it tight and I get it it's it's I get it it's like it's <laughs> It's like change is, change is always. Uh, uh, I know. Animal. I heard this one time. I heard this one time at a conference. They called them server huggers. Yeah. Like, oh, good night, baby. My precious. Sleep night. My precious. <laughs> go, 
my precious. That's so true. I love that. I love it. That's great. Now you got um, uh, you said modern modern teacher. Is that what you said? Yeah, modern teacher. Um, Dr. Sean Smith. What an intelligent man he is. I've uh, met him twice, and uh, his insight into education, and uh, and he's just a researcher too, and he's wrote he's wrote several books, and man, um, so impressed. I mean, he came to us uh, the second time, and literally built a helix model of a curriculum, which I I was like, what? I thought it was a DNA. Really. <laughs> Yes, he, uh, so impressed. Um, but the if you go on there and you look at the digital ecosystem and uh, the how to integrate technology into education, that is a really good model because that talks about you know really how K twelve should really do their business with the students of this generation, you know, with the millennials right. and stuff. I mean. Good grief. I mean, these, these kindergarten kids, uh, they're so proficient on these things and the teachers are so scared and, you know, this paradigm shift, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they, honestly, you know, they're going to do a leadership forum, uh, April 19th in Pinal County. Are you, are you, you plan on attending that? Yes. Um, I will not because it's a superintendent's meeting and I have other things I have to do, but I've, you know, attended uh, Modern Teacher before, and I'm really excited that uh, Dr. Sean Smith is going to be coming to talk yeah. to them about it, because uh, we do have a district, J.O. Combs, that's in the process of doing it. Mm -hmm. um, we've seen lots of success. Obviously, one of the, the data that we want to collect, were actually many data that we want to collect, is to see if it improves teacher retention. Obviously, student achievement is always critical, you know. And then at the end of the day, we want to see how the technology is being integrated correctly in that digital ecosystem. Because once again, now it's not me trying to create innovation by forcing certain things like a pro, you know, Surface Pro or a Chromebook or these type of softwares into the system. It's after they made the decision on how they want to do their curriculum that they come engage me and go, Hey, I need these tools to make that happen. Right. Right. Well, and it's a good conversation. It's, I'm, I'm looking at their website now and it's, it's very, very well done. And it's, it's very intriguing. Yes. Why, why are more, more um, districts not, you know, getting involved with this? Is it just, they don't know, or is it relatively new or. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think it is new. It's not that new, but they, they just don't know. Um, mm -hmm. One thing that I think um, the, that hits the K-12 hard is um, the fact that so many mandates come down from federal and state that overwhelm yeah. the districts and the teachers. And then, you know, obviously your mom being a teacher, you, she's probably discussed that with you, you know, all these unfunded mandates that comes down and you mm -hmm. require to do all these things in the classroom and you get overwhelmed because, you know, there's only a certain amount of time to do certain things and you have to, you know, make sure the kids get that content. And, and it's, you know, it, it's, it's tough. I, I really do feel for the teachers, you know, in yeah. this generation. Oh, man. Just age. Yeah. Uh, they, they got, they got it. I mean, 
shout out to all the teachers. They they know for real job on play. Man, yes. that's that. They're the real MVPs. They're the real heroes. Yes, <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. They, oh man, that's why they deserve all the praise and all the recognition. Yeah, know? that's uh, that's that's a tough that's a tough gig. Um, now when when it comes to like testing, IT has to uh, just do you guys have to distribute the technology for the you know, the testing or how every we school do. does it different? But what what have you found works for you guys? Well, so so. Um, you know, Arizona, the state of Arizona decided, decided to use a system called AZ Merit, and that's their testing system. Uh, a company called AIR, American Institute of Research, was awarded the um, mechanism for, for their testing. But it's quite funny because obviously Arizona is changing again. I think this is the last year of their contract for AZ Merit uh, with AIR. And... Um, you know, the Senate's talking about possibly giving them a menu of selection mm-hmm. of whatever test they want to take and then uh, and then giving them value for that, you know, for their scores for the schools. Um, right. Interesting, interesting model. I'm not sure if it's going to be successful, but we'll see. I'm sorry. What was your question? No, I was just I was like, how? so do you guys use uh, what type of technology to do the testing? Oh, Is it oh. um, so? Yeah, so what we did was we made investment on the Microsoft Surface. So we bought a bunch of Surface 3s for our students because at the time the Surface 3s were a good price point uh, that we could, um, you know, purchase. Microsoft basically students. gave them away to you guys. <laughs> yeah, it was, they were, it was like, yeah, very aggressive. Very yeah, aggressive. and it's funny because, you know, I think they made the investment on Surface 3 and they realized, oh, yeah, we want to do high end stuff. We, want, we don't want to do the low end yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, they and they came the out thousand. with the stream. <laughs> That's why yeah. they had to, go, to come out with the the stream instead to compete with yeah. the Chromebooks because this oh, the, yep. that Surface is way too uh, much for you know what. Like it's so it's such a good, it's a great product, but for them to back then they were like you said marketing it to K twelve it seemed like uh, like man that's a lot. Well, yeah, and, and you know obviously. Yeah, obviously the goal was to use them more productively than just for testing, right? What a waste of investment, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, you spend all this money on a Surface tablet just for them to do testing, which happens only like once or twice a year. <laughs> like, yeah, that was like, that's, uh, <laughs> that's interesting there. But um, yeah. But, but yeah, great product. Was... They uh, Now, did you, you have the streams now, right? The HP streams with the Microsoft. Uh, we did. We, how are we those working out? Streams. They're they're actually pretty good. In fact, we bought those from you f- to get um, the makerspace, um, you know, the makerspace grant going. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we used those streams to tie into our three D printers and our laser engravers or etchers, and um, they work great. They're awesome. Um, the three D printers that we bought were a little bit different. What happens is you would generate. Uh, the design, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the computer. And then what happened was you had to use a sort of like a software, they call it a slicer because what it does is it slice up your design so that the printer understands how to lay it out, you know, like layer by layer, you know, on the 3D right. printer. So that's why they call it a slicer. Uh, and then that was on the micro SD card, which the stream had, thank goodness. So we put that in and then 
and then we were able to offload the design onto the SD card, which then you could put into the 3D printer. So it worked out perfect. Um, you know, very effective. Um, didn't feel that it lacked power. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it was actually pretty good for the price point. I mean, what what do we pay? Like two hundred dollars? Yeah, right? it was. Yeah, I was like, yeah, two hundred bucks or something. It was. It yeah, was just like the, yeah. the same price as a Chromebook, maybe a little less. Right, exactly. You know, and so. the good thing is that it's Windows based, so there's more applications that run that way. Well, you, you know? guys are a Windows shop. It's like, uh, and that's actually a rarity nowadays in K twelve. You're bucking the system, yeah. Mister Peter Lin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, I... Google, 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 uh, everything. Yeah. yeah. In fact, eighty percent of our districts in Pinal County is Google Chrome, or I mean, Google, you know, based, yeah. and so. Yes. You know, so, they do um, a really good job. Uh, Google does for education because it's, uh, you know, they give away so much for free. And um, right. I, we were meeting with, I met with Google yesterday and they have uh, some new things and some new pilot programs coming out. But um, yeah, they're going to continue to uh, work, you know, in the K-12 space to to help out schools and, and invest. Yes. And, and, and really, you know, their management system is great. It's very simple. Um, it that's that's the other part that I think a lot of IT people enjoy because mm-hmm. they realize that oh my goodness you know um, I don't have to spend so many hours imaging a computer you know on Windows right. uh, it, it's pretty quick you know to integrate my Chromebooks into Google's cloud based service you know right and it's very easy to manage so I I know um, I know that was the reason why a lot of people initially went there. Obviously, the Chromebooks had a great price point, and the ease of management, you know, was was one of the big factors too. Yeah, it's uh, very very easy, and man, it makes it makes life easy for uh, you know IT professionals. It's yes, just, just, hey, yes. <laughs> so that's exactly it. It made life so much easier for them. And once again, we talked about the resources. If you're if you're three hundred to one. I'd rather get, you know, I'd rather manage 300 Chromebooks than 300 Windows 10 computers. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And then, you know, you got the Google Drive and everything's in the cloud and they have all the apps. And so it's uh, simple. And so this so this is an interesting um, conversation debate that we can have Mm -hmm. because um, in the past, um, you know, all the product, all the productivity software were all office based. Right. It's all Microsoft Office. And everybody was very comfortable with their product and their suite. Right. Um, we, we all know, obviously, Microsoft's behind Google in terms of the cloud-based product. But their yep. Office 365 offering is, you know, it's making its way up there. Um, right. It's getting to the point, you know, where it, it's competitive. I would say that, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's getting to a very competitive point. And, yep. um, you know, and, and so um, I remember one time having this debate in the tech committee about, you know, what's out there in the business world, what's more competitive. I mean, like we, because obviously we want our students to be an effective workforce, you know, right. we want them to be trained and, and products that can make them um, productive and, and, you know, marketable and stuff like that. So I always thought that Microsoft, since they had that lead and they had the market share that we should train our kids on that product. Mm-hmm. But it's quite funny because I remember one time you and I, uh, I think we're golfing with a couple of the other customers that you had mm-hmm. and uh, they went to Google. They actually decided to use Google. 
Yeah. Remember? Um, they did. Yep. They, they did. Yep. They, it, but, but it was like a weird merge because they use Google, but they still continue to use the office product. The office product. I know it was. Uh, yeah. 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 Like I remember he said, like I use Outlook, uh, but I use Outlook to check on my Google mail. Yeah. Yeah. It was the, yeah, I was, gosh, I, I I still, I'm still trying to get my mind right now around that one. <laughs> yeah, but it was good though because I, then what that shared with me was that hey, you know maybe maybe moving forward, you know, uh, moving ahead, it doesn't mean that you have to be one or the other. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe you need to be flexible and you need to be, you know, a hybrid system. You know, you have to support you know, whatever works, you know, for your organization, you know what I mean? That's what it comes down to. Whatever works for you. Every, every shop's different. Every person's different. Right. Um, and it just matters what works. Um, and some things that, you know, some things that work in one shop, that's not going to work in that shop. Um, and one thing right. that works in this school, that's not going to work in the other school. So it's, uh, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Right, exactly. And, not, and that we, not that we not that we condone violence against kittens or cats. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We don't want to skin any cats there. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. My, uh, chicken fried rice mailed at me. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but you know, it's funny because uh, you're right. It, it should be more about productivity and and how we could better things, and it's not. It's not about one versus the other. It's like, you know, how can we make things better, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Is, is there any technology or any, um, I guess, anything that you guys have done over the last year that you can say, hey, this was like a, a game changer for us. This this was like a breath of fresh air uh, technology-wise. For, well, for me personally, I, it has to be this um, broadband initiative that we did for our county. Yep. So, um, so we we did a bid on E rate, which is a federal mechanism um, sponsored by FCC to pay for you know internet for all the K twelve mm-hmm. and and you know so telecommunication services is I guess what they call it. Um, we we so this specific year Arizona decided to have matching funds so that they would pay for the cost of the fiber build out for all the K twelves. And so we did a bid and we said, yeah, let's, let's take a look. And, and, you know, I was pretty optimistic, but I think I priced us at probably about $3 a meg just because we're rural America. Mm-hmm. We're, we're in a very rural area. Right. Um, the big shock was we came back and we had a bid of 50 cents a meg. And, and this particular company that we're working with, um, uh, Zeo, um, is a big, you know, fiber uh, company they laid lots of fiber and they their infrastructure at the 50 cents per meg and then laying down the fiber that connects all the schools in Pinal County uh, I mean holy cow for me that was the big game, game changer I think that was impressive that's extremely impressive that's like uh, mind-blowing impressive yeah 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 because yeah. it was so inexpensive uh, you have these super highways now to get to the internet um, it's like, you know, it's, it's like building a, it's funny. It's almost like, imagine like on I-10, I, you know, I know a lot of your listeners don't really understand I-10 unless they're in Arizona, right. but there's a stretch I-10 uh, that goes from Tucson to Phoenix that literally goes down to grinds down to two lanes, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's terrible and, and right. it's a bottleneck. And, 
and and you can use that same analogy for this network, you know, because right now we're constantly bottlenecking. We got that little circle, the you know the the Death Star circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And then and this changes us. This just puts us at even ground with a large metropolitan city in terms of bandwidth and access. You know. Right. Um, you know, we're not we're not limited by price. We're we can be competitive. Uh, we could do so many things on the internet. Um, I think the the thing is that it's it's hard to see because you know our culture hasn't changed. Like I was ta- I was talking to a couple of IT directors. Like I go, you know, you're, if you're in Korea and you're in like uh, Japan, I mean, the minimum they give you is a hundred megs. Oh, dude, yeah, Korea's got the, South Korea has the fastest broadband in yeah, the in the world. Exactly. I mean, the the minimum. Is a hundred meg. I mean, they're like <laughs> the minimum. I know their minimum yeah. is our maximum. <laughs> exactly, and, and and it's the funny it, because it's reversed. They're like, oh, hundred megs. Oh yeah, that's ten dollars. And then we're like, oh, ten megs. It's a hundred dollars. <laughs> you know, it's it's it's. Yeah, I, I really struggle uh, with that because it, I'm thinking, what are we number seventeen in the world in, in broadband yes. speed? I mean. Yeah. What is going on, America? Exactly. We, we we love you, United States. Let's 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 yes. get that number up. Yeah. Come on. Yes, you know, I mean, I mean, just yeah, just like our bridges, bridges, roads, and and everything, dams that we always constantly talk about. I mean, you know, think about it. I mean, we were such a powerhouse in terms of infrastructure. Yeah, you know, and 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 everybody wanted to come and live in America because we had the super freeways, super highways. You know, right, and we best infrastructure national you know. parks and now they're talking about yeah. those down i'm like what yeah. what is going on here oh i know we gotta keep our national parks open man and no that's it's what makes there, America there are treasures America. i know there are treasures and gosh man. you know we what we need a cultural revolution for america is what we need we do are you going to lead the charge peter uh, maybe only on the technology side, maybe with the fiber optics. Yeah. Well, what you did was nothing short of, of uh, I mean, amazing how you, you, you tell me about that. I mean, that, that, that is a game changer for sure. Um, speed wise, um, connectivity wise. It's, that's like, it's like night and day. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it is, it's like building brand new infrastructure, which, you know, I, I, you know, the best analogy I could always give everyone is the the traffic because people hate slow traffic. People hate being stuck in traffic is is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And and that frustration, you know, of being stuck in traffic, it's it's quite funny because uh, so many times my wife will tell me like, "Hey, don't lose your sanctification while you're driving," <laughs> <laughs> because you're you're you know you're so frustrated, you know, with, with you know and stuff like that. And 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 it's funny because. Um, uh, culturally speaking, we're not that frustrated with the internet. Uh, we're okay with the lags. Right. We're okay with how bizarre you know, is that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like you're watching Netflix, right? And then all of a sudden, you're, like it stops in the middle. It gives you that little Death Star circle again. Uh, you're like, okay. Well, see, I'm not okay. That's that's the that's, my I, right, right. that's where I have to repent. I gotta I gotta <laughs> throw a couple prayers up, and then, you know, I lost my temper on that one. <laughs> Uh, that's that's great. That's great. See, traffic. See, I'm, a little, so, I'm better in traffic. See, I because I, I, I'm I'm actually worried about people with with guns and road rage. And so I don't. I, man, someone cuts me off. I'm like, you know, he's probably <laughs> having a bad day. 
I give him the thumbs up. You go, buddy. Go right ahead. So I can't shoot you watching I'm Netflix. Not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to argue with anybody in traffic. I don't need to get shot. I hear you. I hear you. But uh, let my Netflix do that little. I'm like, man, this is uh. <laughs> so and, and and it's funny, right? Because once we once again we're talking about cultural revolution and we're talking about the the process, how we think, and and how we engage certain things and what we're willing to accept and what we're not willing to accept. Correct. Right. So, so, you know, so that, that maybe that's where we start the cultural change. That's where, you know, we start the cultural revolution. We start changing the way we accept certain things, you know, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, and we start there and then things change because, you know, people change their mind about certain things and how they want to do certain things. And, And that's how sausage is made, Peter Lynn. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I think we've solved the world's problems uh, in just <laughs> inside of an hour. Um, I know, right? What is there anything that uh, that we should chat about before we get off? Uh, was there anything I missed? Uh, anything you wanted to share? Anything that uh, that I'm forgetting here? No, I think I think we should just do more of these. It's so much fun. I enjoyed doing this with you. Absolutely. And then, and then yeah, what, and then you know maybe. I'm hoping maybe, uh, you know, um, somebody will click with our conversation. They'll hear something and they say, oh, hey, I'm in the same situation. And, you know, and so we're not alone. And and so maybe they're not as frustrated because of what we talked about. Maybe, you know, we gave somebody some insight into something new and, and it makes their community better. That's what I'm hoping for. Yep. And, and honestly, that's the whole reason for the podcast is to give um, uh, IT um, professionals uh, a platform, not just to speak and get things off their chest, but also listen to other people's stories, um, listen to yes. other technologies that are out there. Um, you guys are always being asked to do more with less, uh, more work, less time, sometimes less pay. And it's, yeah, uh, it's like, when do you get a break? When do you get to come up for air? So if yeah. someone can listen to the podcast when they're driving to work, to and from work and learn something or, or uh, maybe that sparks an idea, that's, that's really what it's designed for. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll uh, get some traction and bring value. Oh, yeah, totally. I'm excited to listen to other people speak with you about other topics and, and so forth so I can learn something new. We've got 20 booked, so we're, we're, we're slowly going to be uploading them uh, this week and next and uh, get everybody on the same page. So it's exciting stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks awesome. again, Peter. We really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Until next time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Very good. Good luck. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye.